Hello and welcome to this very first edition of the podcast, View from the Lab, brought to you from the science team at Pearson Edexcel with me, your host, Andy Woods. What is this podcast going to be about? Well, as you can expect from Pearson, we're going to be delving into the issues surrounding science education and its delivery in schools. We have a focus on secondary, but the odd diversion into primary on occasions. We want to speak to people who will be of interest to you as teachers and have an influence on science education. In no particular order, we'll aim to speak to scientists, scientific journalists, education thought leaders, YouTubers, edtech pioneers, and of course, teachers themselves. The remit is intentionally broad, so we can have the opportunity to get thoughts from a variety of sources. In this first episode, we're talking mastery and its implementation into the 1116 curriculum. I talked to Henan Nathwani, the architect of the course from Pearson headquarters, and also Nikki Crum, the science improvement lead for the Star Academy chain of schools. We talk about the support for teachers at Excel, delve into the nuts and bolts of what mastery is and how it's set up, and get a feeling for how it can be applied in schools with the opinions of Nikki. I hope you find it interesting and helps you to elucidate your thoughts about how mastery fits into the Edexcel curriculum. The aim is it helps your students make progress in their science this year and beyond. So without further ado, let's get started. Today we're going to try and get to grips with both the theory and of the practice of mastery principles. In this conversation, we're going to talk to both Henry and Nikki to get a real flavour of what mastery means for the important elements of curriculum, teachers and of course the learners. So I'm going to start off with Henna first. Um, Henna, could you give me an overview of what uh, mastery means to you? Because mastery is something that is used um, in various places in the education landscape, but for science and GCSE science in particular, it's got a specific focus. Could you give us a little intro about uh, your thoughts on mastery and what it means to students and and, uh, teachers? Yeah, sure. Hi, Andy. So with, for me, mastery in science is all about structuring your content so that it consolidates previous knowledge, it adds an extra layer of deeper understanding and includes regular formative assessment to identify areas to support learning. And it does that by having big ideas which span all the way from the beginning of the mastery curriculum. So for the curriculum that we've put together, that starts in year seven and it goes all the way up to year 11. So it spirals through that curriculum every year, adding a little bit more content, a little bit more context as they go through each big idea in each year and then uses all of those kind of additional layers to help ensure that students are understand get that deeper understanding each time a big idea is revisited. Is that short so- yeah, that's, that's fine. I was just thinking about the, the subjects within science. Obviously, we naturally, within um, our science curriculum, divide science into biology, chemistry and physics. Are there subsets within those subjects where we have those spirals or is it just one spiral within each subject that goes right to the top? So there are three big ideas in each of biology, chemistry and physics. And the reason that we've got three is firstly, it's nice and neat because you can see you've got three in biology, three in chemistry, three in physics. But also it just kind of naturally fits in 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 the kind of the content that you've got within biology, chemistry and physics. So, for example, physics, you've got a big idea on energy. There's a big idea on forces and fields and a big idea on matter and materials. So it quite nicely sort of fits together into the content sort of slots together quite nicely into those areas. And then the same with chemistry. You've got a whole section in chemistry on our Earth, its atmosphere, and then you've got another whole section about chemical changes, which includes neutralisation, acids and alkalis, that then moves on to titration, that sort of thing. Thank you. And I assume you have, or there's some available kind of resources that will help um, teachers to teach mastery. Um, are there available schemes and um, kind of maps to kind of make your way through the mastery? 
mastery journey? There is tons of stuff. There's so much stuff on the website about mastery. So we've got a whole mastery web page on our Pearson UK pages. Um, that gives you a mastery guide, which is a really lovely overview of all the stuff that we've got in mastery. And the big ideas I was talking to you about, there's a lovely poster, which is has been created for biology, chemistry and physics. And that poster takes you through all the little topics that you've got from year seven to year 11, it shows you how those big ideas develop as you go through from year seven right up to year 11. And then those topics are broken down into the actual learning that students do in their lessons. So each one of those topics is a week long and you've got all of that knowledge around um, all the different types of things that you can do, all the activities you can do, all the teaching and learning ideas. There's also lots of things around um, make in the importance of science and making science relevant to students. There's tons of stuff on diversity. Um, we've got links to our scientists of the month. We've got careers in there. We've got future skills links there in there. There's loads and loads of kind of other things that we've got linked into the mastery course too. Thank you, Hannah. I'm going to uh, jump across to Nikki now. Now, Nikki, you are uh, science lead is that your official title science lead for star academy academies i want to get that right <laughs> i am the yeah i am officially the science improvement lead for star science academy improvement lead. okay i was just wondering um you are you've got a big important job for the star academies uh one of our favorite edxl um uh, multi-academy trusts i must say um the uh the kind of the way the mastery is divided and how do you divide it in your school do you in your in your schools in your in your secondary schools how do you approach mastery? Are you, is that something you're going to be starting looking at folks on year 11 this year? Or are you looking and going back right back to year seven and kind of splitting those subjects into the mastery strands right from year seven? How are you approaching it? Because it is a new thing. How are you implementing it at the moment for this year? Yeah, so to be fair, we've been working on mastery for the last sort of couple of years because we recognise we, we've got a, a wide range of schools across our trust from sponsored academies in some of the most deprived areas of the country to um, some of our faith schools where the children get the highest results in the country. So we've got such a broad range. So we had to do something um, so that all students could access the curriculum because there's, there's nothing more heartbreaking than seeing a student really struggling because they don't understand something or they don't see the value in learning something because, you know, they don't need it for whatever chosen career path they're going down and I think then they then see science as a whole and it's hard science is a hard subject so they don't want to learn it so for us it was about making sure that our students um could see the importance and make connections and to really enrich the curriculum so that they wanted to sort of learn more and know why things happened um, so for the last sort of couple of years, we've been mapping out our curriculum in line with um, with Edexcel and the, the curriculum schedules that you have. But we've been trying to make connections. So, for example, we wouldn't teach uh, muscles and bones to year eight students before they'd learned about pivots, because you've got to be able to understand the whole concept. Um, so at the moment, we've just revised our schedules. So we're pretty much there with all of our year groups. Um, year seven, absolutely, they're, they're being flung straight into a mastery curriculum. Um, with our year 10 and 11, we're kind of playing catch up and we're trying to now embed those kind of um, core principles and the, the, the themes that run through the different units. Um, so we're, we're kind of, yeah, I'd say we're almost there. Year 10 and 11, we've got a little bit more work to do this year to catch them up. But for seven to nine, they're fully kind of embracing the mastery curriculum. They're embedded. What what are the biggest challenges? Well, at the moment for you, um, is it those year 10, 11s that are going to be the big challenge to kind of uh, embed that mastery in, into the curriculum? Is that the is, is that the big year group you're kind of um, 
not concerned about, but um, maybe focusing on within your academy. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because obviously we've only just started this a couple of years ago. Um, the year the year 11s probably have more gaps in their knowledge. I don't mean gaps that they've missed, they've missed big chunks of work, but they don't see the connections as easily as our year nine students who have kind of, you know, they were fresh into school when we kind of picked this up. Um, so, yeah, I think it's sort of trying to address the connections, making connections. For instance, um, when you're learning about ecosystems in year 11, that's when we teach it, they've got to make the connection with energy. I think there's an issue, and it's something that you mentioned earlier, actually, Andy, about um, we see science as three separate subjects. And I think sometimes there's a danger if it's not taught as a mastery curriculum, students don't just see the three different subjects. They also see the units within those subjects as being totally different. So, for instance, in biology, kids might like learning about ecosystems, but they absolutely hate learning about um I don't know, cells and, and meiosis and mitosis, because it's hard. So when they see those connections within, it just gets a little bit more, it's just easier. It's easier for the kids. It's easier for the staff. Yeah, I guess it's about looking at the those key ideas and thinking about uh, the way you could move across the different sciences. And you've got ideas like diffusion, for example, that you might touch on possibly early on in, in the chemistry uh, kind of topic. But, we're, you know, obviously that has links to other things much later in the uh, in their school life when you're looking, yeah. looking yeah. at osmosis. Um, so I think that both up the spiral, so to speak, but also across it can, it can also yeah. be kind of um, a relevant application of the mastery approach. I was going to ask um, Henna now, um, do you think, Henna, that um, the kind of mastery approach is, is is a big upheaval for teachers? Is it something they can just kind of tweak and have a look at? Is it something that they can look at their own schemes of work and um, just change minor things to do? Or, or is it a big whole um, kind of chunk of work you have to do and, and you should start a year seven or you should, should start a year nine? Is there a particular time they should you should be putting that in a curriculum or, or could you start looking um uh this this year basically could you impl implement it do you think that's I the think it <laughs> sorry i think it depends that's all right on um i guess what you want to do with it so if you are if you're looking if you happen to be looking at overhauling your curriculum because that's what you're looking at doing as a school then you could use mastery and just pick it up off the shelf and start using it it's completely designed to do that um, if you wanted to look at particular elements within the mastery course you can do that as well you don't have to kind of teach all of it from starting from year seven you can start whenever you like really um, and actually we've released year 11 first because um, there are so many things in the mastery detailed content that actually are going to be really helpful uh, for the exact things, Nikki, that you were talking about around making those links and making those connections for students. Um, and because they, they're the ones who've kind of lost part of their year 10 learning, they'll be able to start making those links as they're going through year 11 and they can use the detailed pathways to do that. And you don't need to have been taught mastery from year seven to year 10 to be able to kind of start using the principles of it in year 11, because it's all just about being able to getting the benefit of the mastery ideas um, whenever it is that they, that, they, that they start being taught it. So, for example, Nikki, when you were talking, one of the things about around in the mastery courses that really kind of jumped out at me was the rewind grids that we have, which is basically every week you get given a rewind grid which effectively asks your students questions on they're really short it's only three questions um, on content that they've just done and then it will in the second column it will ask questions about content that links to the content that they've just been taught but isn't directly been what they've been taught that week and then the third column will be content they might have done a year ago but still links to that content that they're being taught so it's kind of about making those connections with 
content that they've just been taught with um, content that they might have been taught last term or they might have been taught last year and it's just kind of starting to help make those connections in their minds um, when they're sort of going through the mastery course and they can totally start doing that with just the rewind grids on their own and start using those as a kind of a quick check I was going to you've you've jumped you've, uh, you've jumped one step ahead of me, and I was about to ask you about your lovely rewind goods. Um, They're great. I just now, want to talk about them now. <laughs> and they're free. They're free and available to uh, to all those edXL teachers. And um, I was going to ask Nikki actually linked links to those rewind goods and thinking about assessment in schools. Um, when I was a science teacher, I think there was always a tendency for um, teachers to do a topic and then do the topic test and get the mark and kind of forget the stuff they'd done. Uh, you know, two months before. Or, or you know the, the year before last is there anything you're doing in star academies to kind of um be more reflective about the kind of work you've done previously and the way you're using your assessments is there anything you have kind of adopted to kind of embed this mastery approach but you know go back to those old topics and make sure students don't forget those those principles yeah definitely i mean um just day to day in lessons our our students all have a we call it a do now activity as they enter into the classroom um and we have on there something from the previous year so obviously for year seven it would be a key stage two um question uh something they did last week and then something that they think they might be doing based upon where they're at now um so that's every single lesson that we're doing that but in terms of the actual assessments that we're using our assessments have got the um we're working on retention so it's about yeah testing previous knowledge can they still remember it can they do more do they know more um and our assessment points although we have assessment points as a trust we don't do a, a huge assessment it's kind of it's smaller assessments that that take in far more give you a much bigger picture of what these kids actually know and um this term specifically I know that um, many schools are kind of taking up the offer um, that we've collaborated with the EdTech provider Tassamai. Is that something that um, your school academy chain have done because they're providing us some free diagnostic snapshot reports uh, for Key Stage 4 students? Is that something you are, are, are kind of going to take up this term? Um, we work really closely with Tassimai. Um, we see a massive value in their in their program. All our students in year 11 have it. And then in some schools, they have it for all the children, actually, across um, all year groups. So absolutely, we will be working very closely on that, definitely. I think more importantly than ever, because there are huge gaps in learning now. Yes, and I think the advantage of that, it's not going to replace paper tests by any a stretch, but um, it gives that kind of uh, snapshot of basic understanding of those, those topics. And uh, I think it helps teachers and students, but helps teachers think about where they might want to prioritise their time in the classroom over the next uh, um, next year, I guess. Yeah. Um, if I go back to Henna quickly, um, do you think, um, would you like to see all edXL centres kind of take this up? Um, Hannah, you thinking, you know, a certain proportion. Um, what are your kind of ambitions for, for mastery? Would you like to see it across the board? That's a difficult question, isn't it? I think mastery is great. So <laughs> it's I a think <laughs> slightly biased answer there. Um, but just because yes, I think it, it it kind of addresses a lot of the key concerns and a lot of the key things that are a bit difficult for, for students particularly. So things like um, having terminal assessments where students have been learning for five years before they have a massive end of a GCSE exam, for example, and how are they going to possibly be able to remember all of that content and making sure that you've got that sort of knowledge retention and deep understanding and all those kinds of other things built into whatever scheme you're doing. And mastery sort of answers all of that. And it's, it sort of helps 
with um, getting students not only understanding the content and being able to kind of build on the links that they can that they can make but also because we've got so many links with our kind of how why how why science matters and all of the kind of engagement aspect of it as well I, my kind of aspiration for it is that it will help teachers be able to use the resources that we're creating so that it enthuses and engages students and uses the kind of the diversity links that we've got in there the diversity tasks that we've got um, the links to interesting scientists that might have a sort of more diverse background than the more standard people like Dalton that we generally tend to use um, and just kind of trying to have people in there that and have content in there that you can use for to kind of address both of those things I think. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the kind of the work personally we're doing on diversity has been really important in highlighting and uh, moving away from, I guess, the, as you say, the, the, the kind of normal standard um, scientists you tend to get in, in GCSE specifications and realising that um, scientists are represented from various different groups. And I think it's important to um, highlight that within our, within our schemes. I was going to ask you, Henna, also about um, low retainers, because I think um, with the GCSEs how they are, we've obviously got um, quite an academic um, course, really, compared to maybe, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and one of the challenges for teachers is trying to engage um, lower attaining learners. Um, do you think there's something in mastery for those lower attaining learners who may not necessarily get all the way to understanding everything about, say, osmosis or, um, you know, half-lives? Is there, is it, is there is it a good kind of um, system for helping those lower tenures as it is for, you know, the, the high flyers in the GCC cohort? I think in a way the, the fundamental principles of mastery are the same. So it's about kind of getting those core fundamental concepts and those those core ideas um, cemented before moving on to the next stage. Effectively, that's what mastery is all about. And depending on the, the attainment of students, the interest of students, that, that will kind of determine, I guess, how far you go up the spiral um, and therefore whether you get your sort of higher flyers, as you, as you put it, um, going all the way through to GCSE and beyond, going to A-level. But also there is, you're right, there is a kind of element of incorporating lower attainment content in there as well. And it, I think it does do that. So we've got the whole engagement side of it, which is relevant to anybody, I think. Um, but also um, the, the, I think the thing that we're going to look we're looking to do next is incorporate a lot of the ELC content that we have and just making sure the entry level certificates are reflected in the mastery pathways as well, just to make sure that it just makes it really clear that you can link really, really seamlessly between the GCSE content and the ELC content just because it's so um, it overlaps so much so that we can have um, students who are possibly on an ELC route, but they can still follow the mastery pathways. You can still access all of the resources, all of the kind of engagement side of it, but you can kind of push them a little bit, sort of see where they're going with it, see if they re they actually might be able to move into GCSE or might perhaps go the other way around as well. So it's a, to me, it's kind of like a hopefully a one thing fits all because it's just got so many elements to it. You can sort of pick and choose what's going to be the most appropriate for your for your groups depending on um the class that you've got in front of you i guess and is uh is, does mastery cover also practical skills or is it mainly the the, the kind of academic content um within the, the curriculum that, that it mainly focuses on so i guess there are two things to this. so it includes the core practicals obviously because that's that's part of the course um it also makes references references to the apparatus and techniques that students need to cover and the skills that they need to produce um 
they need to develop, not produce. Um, and also, I think the other thing that I didn't mention actually is that it also links to um, skills around future skills and employability. So that's not just science, but that's kind of looking at the skills that students are developing across subjects but within themselves to become to move forward into employment or move forward into further study whatever that might be but it kind of links to that as well so it's just about kind of developing those sort of more broader skills as well as the kind of more fundamental academic skills that you've got as part of science of course it's gonna... i don't know if that answers your question <laughs> yeah no it does no i was just thinking about talking about those practical skills and, and life skills but focusing on on practical skills we're going to turn to nikki and ask about how with, within her academies, how they develop science skills, because obviously when you get to year, year 10, 11 and you're doing your core practicals, you know, those don't come, those don't appear in isolation, so to speak. And there's, there's skills below those practicals, which you may well have used earlier down in Key Stage 3. Do you consciously in, in STAR academies focus on um, kind of identifying those skills and, and practicing them or, or do you let it um, develop more organically as it were just through the, the, the standard practicals you might do at Key Stage 3? Um, in a normal world when we are allowed to do practicals <laughs> then we're absolutely. Um, I think the practical side of science, we were talking earlier about the lower attaining students, you can get them you can hook these kids so easily with a practical because they all love doing practicals. Um, it's making sure that they understand how that fits into the grand scheme of things, though, I think. Um, and I think there's there's other aspects to practicals, you know, the actual handling of equipment and, and just knowing the names for different things. That's a skill in itself, along with knowing what that practical is. Um, Another part of the, the, the whole practical aspect or the skills aspect of science, I think, is, is the development of literacy. Um, and we've been working really hard with our English leads to, you know, really focus in on the literacy skills, particularly with those lower ability students where they struggle um, to sort of, what's the word I'm looking at? I think I need some help with this. I can't get the word out. <laughs> but they, they, to articulate what they're trying to say and why things happen and why things work. So we have done a big piece of work there. But absolutely, we build practicals in and, and we try and do as many as is possible. Yeah, I was thinking about the difficulties you have in science uh, specifically. Um, as you say, talking about apparatus, and it, and it may seem like a, a simple thing to an outsider saying, this, this, this is called this, this is called that. But there's uh, there's different uh, kind of inconsistencies within um, the kind of things you got. I think I'm thinking back to chemistry and thinking about, you know, the fact we use spatulas, which look, look like tiny little spoons. Yeah. Uh, yet they go to home economics and a spatula is maybe a completely different thing yeah, than in, in a science lesson. And, uh, you know, the, the weird and wonderful things like conical flasks, etc. You've got to know the names. And, you know, that that literacy helps students to unlock uh, exam questions when they get there because it's those little bits that um, they get confused by which which throws them off in those questions because they they don't have those those, those basic understanding of, of technical language um, which means they can you know access that effectively I was going to go back to Henry actually talking about language and mastery I assume there's some lovely keyword lists within your mastery curriculum for each topic so would that be the case there are. It'd be terrible if I said no, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would yes, be, there are. <laughs> yeah, so we've got we've got all the keywords outlined in each of those kind of mini topics that we have. And Nikki, we took on um, the advice of your team as well, where we were kind of splitting the keywords into tier one, tier two, tier three. So we've kind of we've started to do that as well. And it just kind of shows how it actually made it really clear to me when I was doing it that actually there are so many words in science that mean something different in everyday life. And just making that really clear with 
um, science teachers as well, because when we think about a certain word, we will think of the scientific context, but that's not necessarily the, the link that a student will make initially. So it's just making that really clear. Would you be happy to, and you can say no if you want, Hannah, to explain the difference between tier one, tier two and tier three language? Because I have my own kind of uh, um, possible misconceptions about what those words mean. Do you have a particular view over that, you know, um, what we mean by tier one, tier two and tier three? Yeah, I do. I kind of want to sort of ask you what what you think okay. first, and then answer you. But I can I can, I can give you the well, answer. I can give what you I think, well, I can, I can say, what I think. Too, <laughs> gone, uh, is is like every day, like it, that, the um, tier two might be more sophisticated language. So maybe command words, things like explain, describe, and I'd say tier three would be scientific technical words like diffusion or osmosis or um, electrolysis. I don't know if that's right, but um, is that vaguely how yeah, a tier that's pretty much what it is. So tier one vocab is all, all, all children know them. They're commonly used in speech, particularly in informal talk. And then tier two is the more formal side of things. So, yeah, exactly that. So exam question kind of content, slightly more um, complicated words. So things like beneficial, affluent, those sort of sort of more complicated English language words, which are still common language, but children may not necessarily know them. Um, and then tier three tends to be the more subject specific um, academic vocabulary. So all the classic words like photosynthesis, trigonometry and maths, that, that those sorts of things. OK, and um, God, I, got, I think that's close enough, I think. Um, Nikki, in terms of the kind of you talk about language in, um, in science and, and, and mastery, is that something you specifically kind of focus on students or do you do you not kind of teach that um specifically about tier one tier two tier three language or do you just teach those science science vocab how do you approach that in terms of in that mastery context what, what do you do vocab in your academies yeah so um it's only just this year that we've started using the tiered um language and that's been through the work that we've done with the english leads across the trust um and i think because because of where some of our schools are placed um the children, as I was saying earlier, they don't always articulate themselves very well or they can't explain things fully or they just they just get confused. So we've worked really hard to to get the children to try and use a lot more tier two words when they're giving when they're giving answers. So taking away it does this. What's it? Why does it do it? Trying to sort of develop that that language skill. And just we just kind of it's kind of embedded now. We're teaching it as we go along um, and the children understand. I think long gone are the days where we just had the key science words because it's all very well knowing them but if you can't put them in a sentence and you can't explain them um then yeah they're not really useful if that makes sense yeah of course they're going to be kind of uh, out on their own as well if you've yeah. got to, to, to kind of apply them um henna thinking about mastery and kind of like the end point of mastery uh, which uh for us kind of ends a gcse i guess um, do you think it will benefit uh, learners that are going further on to science? So maybe they're selecting a, a you know, a, a science A level. Um, do you think it kind of helps with that transition as well? If they've kind of gone through this master idea, how do you think it helps in their learning to maybe progress further than GCSE, do you think? I think it's, it's more just about being able to make those links, isn't it? So just being able to kind of understand 
where the teaching is going and where you're sort of going to be moving on to next in your learning. Um, and for example, the mastery pathways at year 11, we've tried to kind of link to content in terms of the progression as to what they would be doing in year 11. So, for example, if you've got a set of students where you know students are going to be doing um, A-level chemistry, for example, then you can link the topics that they're learning in year 11 and say, oh, by the way, if you do, if you're going on to A-level, you're going to be, you, this is what you'd be moving on to. And then you can sort of just sort of start making those links with them. Um, but I think the other thing is actually it might it might help with engagement in science as well. And it could actually mean that you could get more people starting to look at doing sciences just because of the, the way that you're teaching it and the way that you're kind of trying to show that science can isn't just hard, but it's supposed to be interesting and it's supposed to be there's there's so much more to it, really. Thank you. I was thinking that um, in terms of lessons, I'm going to go back to Nikki on this one. Um, if we're thinking about the, the mastery uh, curriculum, this is my kind of my last formal question to you, Nikki, is um, if you're a teacher teaching mastery, is there one thing you think you should be doing every lesson to make sure you're kind of embedding mastery? Is there a particular skill or a particular type of activity that would be useful for teachers to um, kind of reflect on? At least maybe not every lesson, but maybe every two or three lessons. What should they be doing in order to try and help to embed this kind of culture of mastery within their, their science teaching? I think um, absolutely key for this is misconceptions and understanding that with science comes a whole huge amount of misconceptions. So we, we really kind of make sure that our teachers understand those misconceptions themselves. Um, and it's about recall. It's constantly matching back and saying, do you remember we did this? Well, this is how this works now. So we, we do a lot of um, co-planning and, you know, making sure that the teachers themselves understand why we have to make these connections. Um, I'm just thinking really, uh, yeah, uh, alongside the misconceptions, we have the key learning questions um, at the start of every lesson. So that's not for the children, that's for the, the staff. So they know that by the end of this lesson, the kids have got to have, have been able to explain three or four different key learning questions, um, which again, often will link back to previously taught content. What I was going to end on was a question for Henna. Now, Henna, I was thinking during our conversation, I, I can imagine that um, it's hard to believe, but I think that, you know, there are some centres out there that don't do edXL, which, is, which seems crazy to me. But um, if they were not with edXL and they wanted to find out about um, edXL and the mastery curriculum and they were sitting at their laptop with Google in front of them, um, is there a quick and easy way to get to the mastery curriculum? Do you just need to type Pearson edXL mastery and you get straight there? Or um, do we need to put something in the show notes? Uh, we can put a link in the show notes. We have got a, a Mastery in Science webpage, but actually, if you Google, if you would Google Discover Mastery in Science, it will come up with the Pearson link as the first link. I don't know why, but putting the word Discover in there makes it really discoverable, which means that you can find it. Um, okay. But we can put a link in the chat as well. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you very much uh, to both of you. Thank you, Henna, and thank you, Nikki. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for listening to this first episode of View from the Lab today. I hope you enjoyed it. We are keen for you to give us feedback on how the podcast is going and for you to suggest future guests you would like to hear from or issues you would like us to discuss. Are you an edXL teacher with a story to share about what's going on in your school or department? Please get in touch and email me at andrew.woods at pearson.com and we'll see what we can do. Until next time, take care. <laughs>